to the other side of Blackpool podcast. And if you live here in Blackpool, this show's for you. From high up in our attic room studio on Church Street, we share the true stories of what life is really like in Blackpool. Stories that are often overlooked, hidden, or under-celebrated. Welcome to the immediate aftermath of our latest meeting here at Holy Trinity Church down, nestled behind the Pleasure Beach in Blackpool. We've got some of our gang here to report on what we've dealt with today. Our regular old meeting, which today was graced by tomato soup and flowery baps. We've got the usual mix of um, special offers from our Emma, uh, gardening news from Leon. We've got the latest from the Disability Forum and Belle and Phil have come in to chip in about other things that we need to think about for them. And we've got Chris Boyle making a celebrity return. Hello, Chris. Hey, Gillian. <laughs> we haven't seen you for such a long time. How have you been? I've been very poor. Have you? Tell us. I've had COVID for two weeks and uh, it really knocked me for six. Um, I've had a few issues with my mental health that's been going on lately as well. But I'm getting back there. Oh, well, it's really nice to see you. And we're going to start really with um, you because one of the special offers that we've got on the table today was about £500 if you want to make a difference in Blackpool's most deprived communities. And this came through an email from the leader of the council, no less, I think. Emma, it was one of our special offers today. Tell us a bit more about this £500 you can get your hands on if you act quick. It was, yeah. So the email was received from Lynn Williams and obviously they've got money in the pot so to speak, to be spent on any activities or anything that's going to benefit people within the community. So either providing services or um, getting people together. And yeah, the grants are £500. So I think it's a case of if they don't spend it now, they're going to have to give it back. So they're desperate to give it out to people that have got a great idea. Right. So this is £500, especially if you've got a project in three wards in Blackpool who are particularly needy. And which ones are they? So they are Talbot. Brunswick and Claremont. Okay, and Brunswick, where would we know Brunswick as being? Sort of Revo area, yeah? Like a little bit to the left of that if you're looking on the map, but if anyone knows where the Brunswick Club is. Round right, <laughs> round Brunswick Club. Okay, so £500, but the deadline's coming up, and um, how do you get hold of this money? What do you do? So there's through Blackpool Can, which is based at the Volunteer Centre, so you can phone up down there or drop them an email or go on the Blackpool Can website. Right. We'll find it. And the Volunteer Centre's just off Dixon Road, isn't it? Close to Central Library. Yeah. Right. OK, great. So, uh, Chris, did you have any ideas about how you might spend £500 now you're back? Yes, I did. Because um, on my area, it's Tal Talbot End, it's a lot of disabled people, a lot of elderly people that have got overall gardens. If we can get people to come and help organise that with like the tools, have the dinners and everything that we can do to help these people out. I got the feeling that you're already doing a bit of this impromptu gardening as you walk around your, your house. I do. I do a lot of it. I do. There is a few elderly people and disabled people that I actually do do gardening for. And I'm not very well myself. I'm disabled myself, but I still go out and do it. Good for you. Good for you, Chris. Well, thank you for that. And Dawn's sitting next to you. Do you want to share the mic for a second? Dawn, what ideas did you did you have? Are you Were you interested in doing something maybe in Claremont for £500? Well, I've been involved with Claremont, uh, but I'm not... I uh, live Wally Road. And I started off getting involved uh, with Claremont 
uh, community centre with via Rock, renaming our community's gardening team. So I started to help with the garden for a period of time down at Claremont, involved with some of the other projects. And then we had COVID get in the way, which pre- prevented. Currently, the Claremont Community Centre is under a, a redevelopment, so it's out of action at the moment. Uh, it's going to be quite nice, a bigger space leading out into the back garden from what I had a sneak on Monday morning to see what's going on. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's going to be done in eight weeks, but we, you, live, you never know. Yeah, okay. That's the original plan. So another keen gardener. Thank you, Dawn. Um, now, before we finish on gardening, we should just turn to Leon. Uh, Leon, come to the mic and tell us about... Uh, you're, you're, an, um, you're a proper allotment here. I am, yes. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a proper allotment down yeah. in, I want to say... Sure. Cherry tree allotments, which are near the Cherry Tree Pub, down by the big, yes. down by the big Asda, near side, yeah, Martin, Martin, yes, that's right. So, um, but you've had an opportunity to help with a different sort of garden. Sure. Tell us a bit about that. Um, well, it's at the place where it's at the place where you are, Chilean and stuff. And there's a huge, huge back garden there. Ah, this is the big empower. This is the empowerment offices up in Bispam, yes. who've got some cash from Glasden because Glasden have made empowerment their charity of the year. They've gifted us ten thousand. <gasps> and with that money. The idea is that they make a community garden. Absolutely. And so we tapped you up for your allotmenteering skills. Absolutely. Um, We've had lots and lots of ideas. So we're going to make that place very tranquil. Yeah. We're going to do cooking there. Cooking? Absolutely. Cooking, Marie. What else? Well, all sorts, actually, because we're going to make clay clay ovens. There's going to be a wood area, a reading area, a painting area, and even a yoga area, a swinging area, and a hammock area. This It's going to be absolutely fantastic. And will, will there be rhubarb? Absolutely, yeah. There'll be rhubarb, sunflowers, all sorts. It's going, right. it's going to be very, very organic, so people will be um, cooking there as well and planting there, and it's for every season but mostly it's for the weekends for family so this is great this is leon who's been a member of our our team here at blackpool poverty truth network for what two years yeah it's up to two years now. and now you're going to join the team sure. in a sort of semi-paid capacity to be head gardener for the new community garden in bispam in a way i'm honored to, to have been asked i really am because um my favorite place is in a garden Great. It really is. It's the nearest, as you know, the nearest place to nature. So, what else is there? And you get gorgeous rosy cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Well, Leon, we're going to um, be coming back, uh, Blue Peter style, uh, on our next uh, on our next podcast to hear news from the garden. Now then. Um, Chris, I want to come back to you because we did cover uh, the, the launch of Salford Poverty Truth Commission Mark II. Um, some of you know that these Poverty Truth projects, they work in uh, towns around England and they're always self-funded and self-governed. So it's not some sort of London venture that's been rolled out around the country, but it's just where individual residents want to get together and make things happen where they are. It's happened in Salford, and Salford was one of the first, and you were involved in the first project over there, weren't you? Yes, I was. When I first got asked to start 
volunteering for the poverty group. I was in Salford. Obviously, then I moved to Blackpool and I got recommended to come into this poverty group. Yeah, and tell us about the difference between Salford and Blackpool. Apart from the obvious, you get more rosy cheeks in Blackpool, don't you? I don't know. It all depends on all the slaps on Salford. Oh, I see. Um, Tell us about what it was like to get started at the very beginning on one of the very first projects like this. Uh, Anywhere in England, anywhere in in the country, because now they're in Scotland as well. What was it like? It was... In Salford, it's a difficult place it's a nice place but it's a difficult place because there's not a lot of trust and when we first started it was like if you go to offer some some help it'd be well what are you after what do you want what you're up to Mm. but now it's actually growing and growing up more people are starting to understand the differences about what you're after what you're doing and how you try to help and not wanting anything in return right one of the things they did in Salford one of the kind of projects they delivered was about council tax arrears. So they, um, it used to be the case, and I think it still is in some places, that if you fell behind for your council tax, the first thing that would happen was you would get a bill for a whole year. That would like happen overnight. And then, of course, you couldn't pay that. And then the bailiffs would get sent round. And it was the Salford Poverty Truth team that said, could we not just have a conversation? And that was actually something that changed policy in Salford and is now working its way around other local authorities in England. Do, were you aware of that project when you were there? Yeah, I was. But even then, some of them still don't listen to you, so it's it was like fighting a losing battle. Scary business, though. If you just miss one payment, and but you must happen a lot. Yeah, you you get the bailiffs at your door, you get the take, and you you have whatever viable property you have got, they will take that. Yeah. So you remember being part of that team that heard those stories and said, we've got to do something about that. I was one of those stories. Tell, tell me a bit more about what that was like. How how easy was it for you to share that story and what happened there? It wasn't easy. It was so embarrassing. You felt embarrassed. You felt like you degraded, that you weren't worth anything. That's how it sometimes it made you feel. And then what happened next? What did they say to you and who did they bring in to help? Well, I actually got... It was Sarah, actually. Sarah Whitehead. She had informed me about going to the Citizens Advice Bureau to get the advice. And my, Now, my Advice Bureau, Dave, he was brilliant. He was on the phone to him straight away and he got it sorted for me. I just had to pay so much extra in a couple of weeks. Right, so they fixed it for you, but then that wasn't good enough. Then they wanted to go and actually sort out the, the problem itself because they thought, if it's happening to you, Chris, it must be happening. It was ha- it, well, I know a lot of people it was happening to. It's, uh, they did actually go out and start talking to the councillors and... Because obviously they're all about the poverty group. Well, obviously they didn't, but now they started knowing about it. They started to make it more aware. Mm. So that's how it's all started. Wow, because this project is all about finding out from residents what's really going on in town and then taking those problems to the leaders of the town. To what extent do you feel like the Blackpool work is similar or has got the same style or spirit to what you experienced in Salford? Because we've all got the mouths and we've all got a voice. Mm. That's what makes the difference. Good. So we're being true to that original ideal. They've passed it on well, have they? Yeah, they have. They have. It's everything. I, I'm so proud to be part of this group. It's so much more fulfilling for me to be here than, say, in a pub talking to somebody like, you're not going to get nowhere. So now you become other people like use that you go to the leaders of the community and all that lot. They get things sorted out. Wonderful. That's good to hear, isn't it, everyone? Yeah, that's fantastic. Well done, Chris, and thank you very much for sharing sharing that. All right, now, there's some other news. Disability Forum, some of you might know, 
that um, Blackpool has got more disabled people in than anywhere in England and it doesn't have a voice for them. So it doesn't have a gang or a group or a committee or a forum to say, we're disabled, listen to us. And so it was that uh, we got started with this. Emma, can you remind us how we got started with working with disabled people and giving them a voice? Uh, So friends of mine that I met through the choir 11 years ago, I've known Jenny, Colin and Chris Morris, and uh, they came to us with the issues about the fact that Blackpool doesn't have a permanent botcher court and their son absolutely loves the sport and Colin obviously in his 70s gets down on his hands and knees marks it out with gaffer tape you know we've we've heard the story uh but as you talk into more people you find out well you know it was the research that we did how many people in the town were playing botcher it wasn't just a disabled sport they were playing it in schools rest homes community centers mm. so you realize it is something that is needed but obviously we found out that there wasn't anywhere else to go with this problem there was no disabled forum we found out that there used to be one run by disability first and they haven't got the time to do it now because it is like it's it's a Mm full-time job isn't it organizing something like that and the funding obviously came into blackpool to set up the disability forum that was quite a substantial amount of money which we have we haven't got that to to start this up but it's needed in the town and they're the gaps that we fill with the poverty truth network so we're we're doing it and we're doing it on a shoestring at the minute but we're hopeful that once it's established once people know that we are here and we can get the right people in the room that it'll long continue yeah. with the right people yeah at the helm and we first of all uh, found a new case we sort of started this forum and then some again through your through your your friendship group or people that you know through your singing somebody else came forward um a mum with a son who's seven with autism and they had a story to tell slightly different to disabled sports what was that story obviously i've known the girls they bring the children to over to central pier when i'm doing the entertainment but then i share things about this work on Facebook so they get in touch and um, basically the child had their transport cut to school so because they've got two children one is autistic you know one not so they're in separate schools and she struggles to luckily she's got a really good relationship with her mum and her mum has just stopped everything in her life I mean it's recently been her birthday and she's usually in whipping up in Benidorm but <laughs> can't go because she's have to be around to get the get the, get the kids to school. for school the one thing that sticks with me when they went to the I want the word, first word that came into my head then was disciplinary and it wasn't a disciplinary mm. at all mm. but they were made to feel like that when they appealed and asked yeah, the council to, to reconsider appeal. yeah mm-hmm. it was they, quite a scary process well, yeah they said there was nine nine councillors around the table and them and there was nobody there to support them either yeah i think we're able to listen to a little bit of mum's story now i am a disabled son He's autistic, bless him, and he struggles to walk very, very long distance. So I actually did an appeal for Robbie's transport, which got declined after three years of him having it. Um, we did have a discussion about the walking. I live in literally like a cul-de-sac of Leighton. So literally you've got houses to go around, but I'm trying to go for the safest way to make sure it's quiet for him. There's no ambulances. It's all quiet, so there's not many people. Just to get away from the loud noises so it's safer for him. I actually had a committee lady say to me, but why wouldn't you be quicker going that way? She didn't take it into consideration. And then another man said to me, 
what would you do if your son wasn't autistic? Place my son would go to the, another school, the same as his little brother does actually go on about Carl done the thing and there's nothing there. Just me and my mum and nine of them. So that was mum explaining a little bit about what this case is like and we've been able to get around her and give her some support. And The next meeting of the Disability Forum is going to be at the Grange down on Dinmore Avenue behind the hospital sort of thing on Grange Park on Wednesday the 15th of November. Um, if you want to come and be part of this, let us know on our Facebook page, The Other Side of Blackpool. There'll be coffee and donuts, and you're more than welcome if you've got a story to tell. This particular story revolves around the fact that the council dispute the length of the distance to school. The family wants to take pursue, take a route with a little boy that's 2.1 miles, and the council says they can only provide council transport for two miles. So they're arguing about 0.1 of a mile, and the story goes on. Um, Belle, you've recently joined our group and you were all ears to hear the story of the mum and the seven-year-old son. What sort of thoughts did you have listening in? Um, There's more than one way to skin a cat, basically. (laughs) Um, Not to give up, to keep pushing. I've went through a very similar process myself and it took a year to make the school do what needed to be done for my deaf daughter. Different case different area but you just have got to persevere yeah now you've you say that it was a different area and you've lived in different parts of england as well yeah. as all around the world we yeah. can hear that lovely accent it's from north carolina north carolina isn't it great yeah um but you, you when we said to you that independent people have come into this town and said gosh disability rights are 25 years behind the times yeah. you weren't shocked by that statement no why not but because it's it's, it's a shocking experience when you move into Blackpool and you're disabled and it's just like wait you're not quite up with the rest of the country um drop curbs taxi services the hospital doesn't have a hearing loop or any kind of braille services so it is very shocking isn't that amazing and do you feel that it's something that you'd like to get involved in the disability forum so that you can share some of these stories and see some of the solutions to them absolutely Okay. Tell me about your, do you have a problem with your van that you couldn't use your own van to get around? I'm a full-time wheelchair user, Uh, so I have a drive-from-wheelchair van that I use hand controls instead of the the pedals on the floor. Um, But in the back I have uh, a lift that I drive onto and it lifts me up to the deck and then I just drive straight underneath the steering wheel. Well, I've had a catastrophic system failure with my lift. So I can't even get in my van right now. So we called, and it's through Motability, we called Motability, and they were nice enough to work with us with a third-party company called CMAC, C-M-A-C, to provide a, a fund, you know, uh, an, an account that they put money into to pay for a wheelchair taxi for me because I have a lot of medical appointments. And um, Blackpool can't provide wheelchair taxis. They had to bring them in from Preston and Blackpool for an extraordinary amount of money. Okay. Do you know how much? 62, uh, I believe the most expensive was like 110 pounds. You don't have to pay that. No, Motability was. Now, Motability, um, we didn't think we were going to get to the top of the list because they said I was number six on the list for what's called an internal transfer vehicle. like my van, the gate, uh, the lift at the back, but I, then my husband has to transfer me into the driving seat that then swivels around and slides forward. Yeah, Phil, you were, you had to say something about 
yeah. about the car situation? Yeah, um, the van that we're currently using is a courtesy vehicle, effectively, um, which we didn't expect to get in time. We expected to have to rely on the wheel, the wheelchair taxi account. The problem being that because Blackpool Council is responsible for making uh, taxi companies actually provide wheelchair transporting taxis. And this is a big, heavy electric wheelchair. They don't. The company that uh, CMAG would normally use in this uh, in this area support, supposedly has three wheelchair taxis among their 100-plus vehicles, but they're, they're none of them available to transport wheelchairs at the moment. Um, one they're broken. And, and has chosen not to replace his ramp. Um, one has uh, obtained a medical avoidance, so he, he doesn't have to, can't be made to do it. And the third one is currently on permanent holiday. The problem is that it's more work for the taxi drivers. They have to get down on their knees to secure the wheelchair into the type of carriage that they've got. Right. And that's too much trouble. So you don't have uh, wheelchair taxis in Blackpool because Blackpool Council doesn't make them, provide them. So they're coming from Bolton. Sorry, my wife's in Blackpool. They're coming from Bolton and Preston. Yeah. They're charging extra money because they have to then stay in Blackpool for the duration of her hospital appointment. And we've only been using it for emergencies because the Motability Programme is a very, very valuable one. It's never got the funding that it needs to provide services to all of the people that could benefit that could from it. it. So yeah. we're very keen to protect it. But to, to wind up paying £150 for what would normally be an 8 to £11, and that's, that's the quote direct from the company, um, journey mm. is is crazy. Well, especially because it's going to go on the council's bill and then in, on the end and all of our council tax. How does that? Um, how do you uh, f feel about uh, this bill? Do you feel like this is something that you would like to raise with council leaders and see if we could fix it for all kinds of people in Blackpool who need this service? Absolutely, I'm going to take it on as a pet project. It's <laughs> not just affecting me. There are other disabled wheelchair users that need this service in this community that are not getting it. I'm not the only one. I mean, I, I'm almost hesitating to say it's extraordinary to hear there might be a problem with transport from the hospital because we have actually had, you know, as you know, mm -hmm. a, a case for, for about concerning patient transport, but you're saying that there isn't even transport for people in wheelchairs from the hospital you through know, motability. What if there's a 75-year-old lady who her husband had a heart attack and she's went to the hospital with him and it's, I don't know, half 12 at night. How is she supposed to get home? If she's in a wheelchair, there's no wheelchair taxis. I mean, she's stuck. When you're denied hospital transport, they literally tell you to call a taxi. That's the actual thing that they state to you. This, this is going to be a pet project of mine. I'm going to become an expert in private hire and taxi vols and stuff. So, yes, this is something I want to take on. Belle, we are all very keen to be working with you on that. Thank, thank you for bringing your story today. And thank you, everyone. Now, before we go, we did have some thoughts about the Christmas party, didn't we? Because it's just, you know, we're going to have to do it. Um, uh, uh, Dawn, what was your favourite idea for Christmas party? Did you have one? Uh, movie night for one. Oh, a movie night. Movie and craft night. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Chris, did you have an idea for Christmas? Just an old-fashioned Christmas party in a pub, have a meal, like we did last year. Yeah. Because it brought, I... it brought us all more together Yeah. last year when we did that. We were up at the Squirrel, weren't we? We, were. we had some lovely pictures oh. taken. We were all done up really well, weren't we? We were beautiful yeah. that day. Wait till you see me this year. 
Um, Emma, you've been writing madly in your notebook about all the options that are, that are under consideration. <laughs> what do you think is in the lead for Christmas? Um, well, of course, the Blackpool Council have organised the Christmas by the Sea on the comedy carpet again. So I think it would be nice to go and support that and make sure some money goes back into the Blackpool economy to make sure that it continues because, of course, the illuminations are until January. I think it'll be really festive and nice down there. Oh, all right, but we might look up our friends at Salford Poverty Truth Network and say... Are they organising a Christmas party and could we gate crash? I mean, we could do that as well, couldn't yeah. we? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're bound to be doing something in Manchester. I've sent that email. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, folks, thanks so much for staying a little bit later, sharing what you learned from today. It's been great fun. Um, thanks, Emma, for organising all that tomato soup and all those baps. Yes. And we'll see you again next time. Holy Trinity Church, 12 o'clock on Wednesday, the 8th of November. Be here, don't miss it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You've been listening to the Other Side of Blackpool podcast for people who live here all year round. We're a dream of the Poverty Truth Network in Blackpool and the Fylde Coast. Find out more at povertytruthnetwork.org. If you like us, follow us and leave us a review. 